us stand. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us stand and rejoice in it. Marvelous light, marvelous light is cracking. 
Rising up to take their place With selfless faith With selfless faith I see a near revival Staring as we pray and seek We're on our knees We're on our knees thank you for this time, for this space, for this opportunity to worship. We give you thanks. Thank you for the way that you're moving in our lives. You're moving among your people. You are moving always toward your ultimate goal. The kingdom of heaven here on earth. 
God, I pray for those that are hurting today. I pray for those that are struggling. I thank you that you are bigger than anything that we face. And God, there are others of us that are celebrating and things are going well. And we thank you that you are greater than the best things that could ever happen to us. Jesus, I pray that you'll continue to meet with us here, God, as we continue in worship in various ways. God, I pray that your spirit will fall heavy upon us. I pray that as we lean into your word, that you will do what you do best, Holy Spirit, and transform us. Make us more and more into your image. We pray this, Father God, in the beautiful name of Jesus, and we know that you hear our prayers because our prayers are backed by the power of the Holy Spirit that's alive and at work within us. So we pray this in your name, Triune God. me. Good morning. can't see anything. <laughs> I'm trusting that you're... Hey, there you are. It's so good to see you this morning. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, welcome to church today. We are so, so glad that you made it out in the middle of the almost storm and got here safely. Um, we've got people from all over the place here today, and we're just happy to see you. wanted to make you aware of just a few things that are going on in the life of our church. Um, On May the 2nd, which I think is next Sunday, what? May? Wow, you guys, there it is, May, fifth month of the year is upon us. If you have not yet been baptized and you have chosen to follow Jesus, we really encourage you to be baptized. And there are a lot of reasons for it. But as I used to try to explain it to my kids when I was a kid's pastor, it's basically saying, I want to be like Jesus, and I want to do the things that Jesus would do. And baptism is one of those moments that you can look back on for the rest of your life and say, yeah, I remember. I remember that day, and it made a difference in my life. And so we really encourage you, if you have made that decision To be baptized, and we're going to talk a little bit more about it next Sunday after church. It's just going to be a short informational meeting, and um, so let us know if you're planning to be there or if you'd like to be baptized. Let us know this week, okay, so we can plan for that. Um, Also, if you have not been a part of the Forgotten God series um, small group, you can still do that. And so you can connect with Pastor Garen. And he'll give you more information about that. And then one final thing. Um, It's on one of the back black tables back here. We are a part of the Church of the Nazarene, which is a worldwide denomination with millions of members and people in third world countries and people in Western cultures like ours. And we have an organization within that umbrella called Nazarene Compassionate Ministries. And if you aren't familiar with that, I really encourage you to check it out. So Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, you can get on the website. 
But there is everything on there that you can imagine to help people in times of crisis, in times of um, disaster, in times of sickness, and we also have child sponsorship. And so you've probably heard about that through some other organizations, but that's a way that students, little kids to teenagers can go to school, um, that they can get the help that they need to be able to be educated. And so I encourage you to check out some of that information on the back table, especially in light of what we'll be talking about today. So tune your ears for where God um, might be speaking to you about how you can tangibly be involved in helping others during this time. All right. So, I, hey, it's you. Yes. Blondie. Blondie. There you go. Well, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. For those of you guys who are joining us here in person, I feel like the numbers just keep getting up there. Uh, and also for those who are joining us online, we appreciate you for tuning in. We're going to come to the time of service where we get to pass the peace. And if you're not familiar with that here at Port Orange Church of Nazarene, we practice passing the peace with one another. Not only are we expected to be at peace with God, but also with those who are around us. Scripture tells us this. Uh, and so uh, if, you know, don't shoot the messenger, okay? This is something that God wants to do. He wants us to be at peace with one another. Uh, and so it looks a little bit different here around the COVID season. And so uh, if you're in the building, then uh, maybe it's, a, it's an air five, it's an air hug, you know, whatever the case is. Uh, you know, kind of maybe if you do like the, the air kisses where you on each side of the cheek, whatever, whatever it is, but that's, what, that's what kind of how we're doing it here in person. If you're online, feel free to tag somebody and uh, just let them know. Uh, you know, let them know. And, and I say it to you guys even here and now. May the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Pass that peace to one another. We are, uh, we're going to continue in, uh, in, our, in, our, in worship, actually, with tithes and offerings. Uh, Garen and I were laughing about something here a couple minutes ago. It's a little inside joke. But anyways, um, <laughs> I shouldn't say it, right? I sh- okay, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Okay. Anyways, guys, uh, you know, this is the opportunity, uh, you know, where, you know, God has done so much for us. Life, uh, you know, he's provided a way for us back to him. I've seen a video, actually, online. The other day, and uh, somebody was asking, it was like a TikTok, and somebody asked the person on TikTok, they said, you know, hey, if God's so loving, then like, you know, why does he send people to hell? And it was so awesome the way the guy's response to it, and he said, he said, well, hold, no, 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 we were already going there. We, it's not God sending us there, it's we were already going there, and God has come to this earth and provided us a way to get out of there, right? So if we choose to follow him and, and accept his ways and his son as our Lord and Savior, then he has provided us another way than the way that we were already destined to go to, right? And so it's just so awesome that God has provided us first the way to eternal life, but then also in just so many other ways. I'm sure if I said, you know, get up here and tell a story on how God has provided for you, we'd be here for the next two, three hours of just hearing different stories on how God has provided for us. And, you know, this is another way. This is one way that we have. It's one of the few ways that we have that we are able to give back to God. And that's through our tithes and offerings. And so this is a moment that we should be encouraged 
that we should be excited about, that we should be able to say, Lord, out, out of all you've done for me, here's something so minor that I could do for you. And so, uh, you know, we should take pride in this moment. And, uh, you know, and you'll see a couple different ways on the screen that you're able to give online. Uh, and if you're here in the foyer in the back, there's some drop boxes there that you're able to give on your way out. Uh, but let's pray for this for this time that we get to continue to worship. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for being a God that doesn't just say, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. But Lord, we thank you for being a God that has given so much for us. Lord, and then giving us the opportunity to give back to you. And Lord, your word says that I, with a cheerful heart, I don't want people coming to me and, and, and thinking, oh, I got to give, whatever the case is. But Lord, you want, you, you want us to truly see you for who you are. And Lord, when we do that, we realize that there's no, there's nothing that we could outgive for you. Lord, you've done so much for us. And so, Father, I pray that you would bless this time that we have here. Lord, I pray that you'd be lifted high, that your name would be glorified. And, Father, as, as, we, as we give to your kingdom and to your ministry, Lord, I pray that you would multiply it. Father, that you would bring it so much farther past these walls, Lord. And the ministry that you would have it do, Lord, we won't realize it until one day when we get to meet with you. You say, you know, you think, you think that one Sunday where you just made that little sacrifice, that it was worth nothing. Let me show you what it did. And Lord, that you would show us the bigger plan that you have. And so, Father, I pray that you'd bless this time. Bless the giver, Lord. And Lord, may we ultimately bless you and who you are. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's pray our prayer for understanding before we go to the word. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Amen. We will begin in the book of James, which is in the New Testament near the end. So you can see it's right back there. Near the end, if you have a physical Bible, if you are um, reading from your phone, well, just scroll almost to the the very end. So, uh, James chapter 4, and I'll just be reading verses 7 through 10. This is about coming closer to God. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And he will lift you up in honor. And then we will be um, in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I know them. Aren't you proud of me? So Matthew chapter 25. Oh, Garen, this is a rough one. 
Matthew 25, 31 through 46. And as you're able, will you stand for the reading of the gospel? These are red-letter words in the New Testament. These are the words of Jesus. So chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away from you. Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord... When did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous will go into eternal life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
good to see you today. Thank you, Jim. You and me, buddy, right here. <laughs> oh, wow. Hey, we're going to have a great day. Uh, I'm excited to share what I believe God has for us. And uh, let me see. Do I have a first slide for me? All right. All right. Here we go. So as I've been working through the, the sermon passage this week, there is a movie that has come to mind over and over again. And I don't know, maybe you've seen it. It's called The Princess Diaries. Are you familiar with it? Yeah? Okay, good. Some of you are. So, so The Princess Diaries is about this girl. Her name is Mia Thermopolis. And this is what she looks like at the beginning of the movie. She is a nobody. She is unseen at school. She is kind of cast aside, and then she finds out that she is a princess. That, that, dun, 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 that there is a country called Genovia, and that her father was actually the prince, and that she is now next in line to take over, and she is faced with this choice. Do I walk into this new life? Do I accept this amazing blessing? Do I let it change me forever? Or am I okay just being the way I am? A nobody, an unseen, kind of behind the scenes. And that's kind of a choice that we all have. To make in our own lives. When we're confronted with Jesus, will we choose to live this new life? Will we choose to allow it to change us forever? Can we live into the blessing that God has for us, or will we simply refuse? So, as you recall, we've been working through the Sermon on the Mount, and there are two questions that I've been asking you to think about every week. And we're going to go over them just to make sure. And honestly, this isn't just for the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, Scripture is filled with different types of writings. You've got um, historical writings. You've got um, poetry. You've got wisdom literature. You've got letters. You've got apocalyptic. You've got all these types of writings in the Bible. And it's important that we understand these two questions in every passage that we're reading. The first question, do you remember what it is? Well, who's Jesus talking to is what we're going to talk about today. When, when Jesus is giving these blessings, who is he talking to? What's the crowd? What's the makeup, the demographics? And the second question is, what's the setting? What's going on in the world around that's such a big deal, and how does that impact what is being said in the Scripture? So, I want us to read, we're going to read three verses today. This is our third week in this series, and we're finally getting to the good stuff. So here we, no, I'm sorry, the other stuff was really good too. We're finally getting to the first beatitude. Wow. Y'all. <laughs> Matthew chapter 5, we're going to read the first three verses. Read with me. Uh, One day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and he sat down. And his disciples gathered around him, 
And he began to teach them. This is what he said. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. Some of your translations will say, blessed are the poor or blessed are the poor in spirit. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who realize their need for God because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So what I want to do is I want us to to look at this passage, but I also want us to take a a step back. So so we understand that Jesus, the setting is he's on a mountainside, right? I mean, it says that we don't have to read too much into that. And he sees the crowd. And I think that's an important point not to miss. Jesus sees the hurting people in front of him. Jesus sees the needs that are before him, and Jesus chooses to act. Now, how does he act? He does what Jesus does. He is always on mission, and his mission is found, if you'll recall, we talked about last week in chapter 4, verse 17. Repent, turn around, change your lifestyle, do something differently. The kingdom of heaven is near. And let's back up even a little further. The words that Jesus says in chapter 4 are the words that are basically what John the Baptist says when John comes on scene. If you go back just a chapter, Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. Well, let's start with verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came to the G- from the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins. The kingdom of heaven is near. Sound familiar? But, but let's back up even more. Let's, let's get a bigger picture. If we were to go 500 years before this, if we get back up just a little bit to the book of Malachi, we see that the same theme is happening in Malachi as is happening with John the Baptist, as was happening with Jesus, because the mission of God is to seek and save the lost. The mission doesn't change. And so here we see in Malachi chapter 4. Remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant, and all the decrees and regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai for Israel. So basically, Malachi is saying, hey, remember Moses? He was God's mouthpiece. He went up on the mountaintop. He heard a message from God. And then he was the mouthpiece, the prophet, the Nabi. He was the one that was God's mouthpiece for the people. Listen to the words that he said. Look, I'm sending a prophet. I'm sending you the prophet Isaiah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. Now, John the Baptist is the one that they're referring to to here because John the Baptist was seen as the last prophet and he was likened to the prophet Elijah. And so what we have here is Malachi saying there's going to be a guy that comes along and he's going to be like the prophet Elijah and he's going to have this message of proclaiming that God's kingdom has come and you need to listen to him because when he comes, that's when you know that the Messiah is arriving and the kingdom of God is at hand. And so listen to all he says. His preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers uh, to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. 
Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. So here we have um, these two words that are important uh, to God, justice and righteousness. And Malachi is saying, when the anointed one comes, there's going to be a readjustment of the imbalances in the world. And righteousness and justice is going to flow, as one of those prophets said, flow, justice and righteousness, justice and righteousness flow. And so we have this imbalance that's going to be set right. We have this, um, this day of the Lord's visitation. And we've talked about this word before. It's the Hebrew word pakad. And it's, it's this, this life that you live will come back upon you. So if you are living a righteous life, and if you are living a life of justice, at the day of the Lord's visitation, this is a good thing. If you are not living righteously, if you are not living lives of justice, then the day of the Lord's visitation is bad. So, you are blessed or you are cursed depending on how you respond to this life of God and how you live it out. Are you with me? Let's back up one more step even farther because he he referenced Moses. So if you go all the way back to Exodus, um, well, Exodus 19 is where um, we see Moses going up on the mountaintop. And we see this liberation of the people of Israel, these Hebrew people that are slaves, that are captives, that are nobodies, that are discarded, that are thrown out in the eyes of the Egyptians. Does it sound familiar? Does it sound like things that we've been talking about? And God comes to Moses and he says, I have heard their cries and I have seen their suffering." Because we serve a God that sees us. And when God sees us, God responds to us. So let's bring it back around because we have Jesus seeing the crowds. We have Jesus seeing the people that are following him. And remember we talked about um, the last part of chapter 4 says who is following Jesus at this point. It's the sick, it's the hurting, it's the demon-possessed, it's the mentally challenged, it's the people that are, are thrown out and discarded, it's the people that live in the slums, it's the nobodies, it's the trash. And Jesus sees these people, and he goes up on the mountainside, and in Matthew's writing that would be a nod saying that this is the new Moses. But the beautiful thing is he doesn't come down with a word from God because he's not just God's mouthpiece. He is God. And so when Jesus speaks, he is saying, listen to what I'm saying. This is what following God looks like. Blessed are the poor. Blessed or you're blessed when you realize your great need for God. You're blessed when you realize that you're poor in spirit. Now, now we can, we can dive in a little more. I mean, poor in spirit is what Matthew says. I think in Luke it just says poor. And so the question is, how are they poor? Are they poor spiritually? 
I mean, are, are, they, are they spiritually poor? Are they, are they economically poor? Um, they're seen as nobodies. Are they emotionally poor? And to which I would say, uh, yes. Uh, we can't uh, treat Scripture through the eyes of our Western civilization where we can compartmentalize everything. And I'm okay in this area, but I'm not okay in this area because they were poor. Yeah, they were spiritually poor. They weren't the people going to the temple that were asked to open up the scrolls and read the scripture. Nobody cared about their opinion on spiritual things. They were spiritually poor. And probably a lot of the reason they were seen that way is because they were economically poor. They were the nobodies. They were the discarded. They were the nothings. They were the cast out. Which would have made them emotionally poor. Can you imagine what it would be like to live in society and almost feel like you are invisible? Can you imagine how that would make you emotionally deficient or poor? Yeah, these people were poor. They were poor in every sense of the word. Which makes us ask the question, hopefully, why did Jesus start out these nine blessings, these nine affirmations, specifically targeting the poor people? And I think there are two main reasons. First of all, I think maybe Jesus was blessing the poor because Jesus understood that the poor would most like, were most likely to receive this blessing. Ha, have you ever noticed, I don't know if you've ever thought back on your life, and maybe when you were younger it was like, oh man, yeah God, I'll do anything. Send me wherever you want. I'll go wherever, I'll do whatever, I'll say whatever to anyone, anything. It's alright. Yeah God, I'm on fire for you. Because you're young and you have nothing. But then you find that special someone and you get married. And then you have a spouse to consider. And then you have a stable job. And then you have children. And God saying, I want you to do this, becomes a little more risky, doesn't it? Because you are less poor, if that makes sense. And then you get a house. And then you got a for a wonk. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, well, we were talking about this in um, our Forgotten God class. How it's so much easier to say yes to God when you have nothing. But the more you have to lose, the more you don't want to lose it. I wonder if Jesus spoke to the poor first because Jesus understood they have nothing in their hands, so they have no problem grabbing onto the hand of Jesus. They are poor in every sense. They will take anything they can get. They are finally seen by someone. And I think that is the second reason perhaps Jesus spoke to the poor first. He spoke to them because they were the people in front of him. They were the people he was seeing. He didn't have to go somewhere else to minister. There were people right in front of him that needed to be ministered to. And so he did what Jesus does. He ministered to the people in front of him, which were the poor. 
that's why I've been thinking about the Princess Diaries. Because Jesus ministered to the poor, to the invisible, to the people that nobody else thought about. So in the Princess Diaries, you get to the end of the movie and she has to decide. She's planning on turning this down. She would rather be invisible than receive this blessing. And she has this very pointed speech where she says, you know, I've been planning on turning this down all this time. And I don't want it. And what would that mean for me? And how would that affect my life? And what would that mean for me to move over here? And all this kind of stuff. And then she says, and I started thinking, how many times do I say me, myself, I? And how few times do I say them, others, How many times am I so focused on me and yet I'm not focused on the people around me? And she said, what if I were to spend less time thinking about me and spend more time thinking about them? That would be a a much better use of my time. And so she accepts this, uh, this blessing to become the Princess of Genovia. And she's meeting with this boy at this dance that has had a crush on her the whole movie everyone knows it except for Mia and finally she realizes that she likes him too and she says uh, you know she's she basically says I like you and he says why me and she said because you saw me when I was invisible and those words have gone through my mind and I've thought how many times Have I missed people because I wasn't looking? How many times have people been invisible in front of me because I just haven't been looking at who was in front of me? I haven't been seeing. I love that story. I know it's silly. It's a Disney movie, so you knew I'd like it. Um, I love that her name is Mia. Mia, which can be traced back to the Hebrew word for Miriam, which um, means blessed or beloved. And I wonder how many of us are choosing to refuse this blessing because we're more concerned thinking about us than we are thinking about others. How many Mias are there in this congregation that are choosing to look inward when Christ is calling us to look outward? How many of us are denying our birthright and our blessing because we are blessed to be a blessing, but so many times we're very content not seeing anyone but ourselves? So... Let's talk about the poor real fast. What can we do to better see the poor? What can we do to make a better effort to see those around us that are hurting? And I had Jen read James because I think that's the key. Humble ourselves. Humble yourself before God. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Come close to God. So we humble ourselves. 
We draw close to God. We purify our hearts. We don't let our lives be divided between God and the world. We choose the things of God, and God is always looking for the invisible. God is always blessing the hurting. I think that's a great way that we can start to see the poor among us. I think another way that we can help the poor is not to see ourselves as the savior of the poor, which we often do, and then we say, wasn't I good? I think it's important that we see ourselves among the poor. Because chances are we are spiritually poor or emotionally poor or economically poor. We are poor in some way, and we need a God that sees us. And God does see us. And once we associate and find ourselves with the poor, it's a lot easier to see compassion and help the poor because we are now part of the poor. And then we can be part of the restoration of people because that's our calling too, to tell people, repent, turn around, the kingdom of heaven is near. The same message of Moses, the same message of Malachi, the same message of John, the same message of Jesus is the same message of the church because it's the mission of God. So what can you do? I'm going to give you one easy thing. Begin by starting small. I think it's easy for us to get paralyzed and say, wow, well, we can't end world hunger. So we'll just think about it a little longer. Well, I can't help everyone, so I'm not going to help anyone. I love what Pastor Andy Stanley says. He says, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. In the passage that Jen read, I also think it's interesting that um, in Matthew chapter 25, the people are divided by how they responded to the hurting and the needy among them. I'm guessing that both sheep and goat thought they were right with God. But one group put into action the mission of God, and the other group just was happy being around the mission of God. That's scary to me. It forces me to ask, which side am I on? I want to be... I want to be one of the sheep. I want to be one of the one that's helping the needy. I want to be one that's helping the person in front of me. And it's not that difficult to do. I just look for the people that need a little bit of Jesus and I give them Jesus. It's not a difficult formula. I've struggled. Um, I told Justin... Um, This is the third sermon I wrote this week because I just, nothing has felt right because this feels really heavy, and yet I don't want us to miss the importance of this because social justice is important, but social justice is not our goal. Our goal is to be Christ-like, which involves a lot of things that look like social justice. And so it's, I, I want to be careful not to just throw out a bunch of things. Hey, have you tried this? Have you thought about that? Because I want you to listen to God. I want you to ask God, 
to show you the person in front of you because their need is going to be unique. But I want you to see the invisible person in front of you and I want you to be Jesus to that person. And so I don't have a lot of solutions. Um, but I, do, I want to leave you with, with one quote, maybe two. We'll see. Um, it was at the prayer breakfast in 2006, and I've shared this with you before, but this is one of the most powerful quotes that I've heard in a long time. The guest speaker at the prayer, bank, the prayer uh, breakfast was Bono. And this is what Bono said to political people in the United States at the National Prayer Breakfast. God may well be with us in the mansions, in our mansions on the hill. I hope so. He may, well, he may be with us in all manner of controversial stuff. Maybe, maybe not. But the one thing we can all agree, all faiths, all ideologies, is that God is with the vulnerable and the poor. God is in the slums, in the cardboard boxes where the poor play house. God's in the silence of a mother who's infected her child with the virus that will end both their lives. God's in the cries heard under the rubble of war. God is in the debris of wasted opportunities and lives. And God is with us if we are with them. Folks, the first call on the Sermon on the Mount is to see the hurting in front of us and to offer a blessing to them. Another, uh, another thing that I heard about Bono, and I don't know why I have two Bonos today. Um, he was at a conference in England, and I'll finish with this. He was at a conference in England. There were thousands of pastors and priests and nuns and religious workers, and they were all at an assembly gathered together to pray that God would help with the homeless and the hurting in England. And they're sitting there, and they're praying, and the prayer's going on and on and on. And rumor has it that someone, one of the priests, sitting by Bono, leaned over and said, Wow, I wonder how long before God gets up and does something. To which Bono replied, That's funny. I think God may be asking the same question. How long before we do more than just play church? How long before we actually get up and do something? How long before we go to the neighbor across the street and actually get to know them so that we can find out where are they poor and how can we help bless them? It's my prayer. It's my prayer that we will do more than just play church. And the Sermon on the Mount is going to change us in a beautiful way forever if we will just start to embrace the beauty that is in the blessing. Blessed are those who understand their need for Him. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. May that be us. And may we also be the ones that share that blessing with others. Let's pray.
God, this is a hard sermon because in our Western culture, we don't feel very poor. And even when we do do feel poor, most of us make more in a week than many will make in months. So in the reality of things, economically we're not poor. God, there are some of us here that are emotionally deficient. We're emotionally poor, and we think that we can tuck our pain and hurt away and grow in every other area of our lives, and yet you've called us to holistic wellness that wants to heal every part of us, that wants to bring blessing to every area of our lives, That's poor, and so many of us are holding on emotionally to grudges and to pain and to hurt that happened for some of us decades ago. Jesus, if we could just let go and receive your blessing, you could change us. God, there are many of us here that are spiritually poor. We are happy eating the crumbs that fall from the table of grace. Forgetting that you have given us a seat at the table. God, will you change us? Will you make us more like you? Will you make us make us better able to identify with the poor among us? Because we are all in need of some sort of growth. We are all in need of transformation. We are all in need of this blessing that you give to the people right in front of you. And that's us right now. God, I pray that you will help us to take it one step further. Because we are blessed not so that we can be awesome. We are blessed to be a blessing. And I pray that you will help us to start to see those people in our lives that are invisible to others. And when we see them, I pray that you will help us to be your mouthpiece. I pray that you will help us to speak life into them, to speak blessings and hope into their situations. God, it's going to take us getting to know them, and I pray that you'll help us to do that. I pray that you will put us I pray that you will help us to be assertive. Your kingdom deserves no less than a little bit of our assertiveness. Because we understand that the stakes are high and that the reality is that many people, if we do not see them through your eyes, they will not be seen. And they are someone that is created in your image that you love and that you want to make whole. So change us so that we can be your tool to change others. We pray this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Before we come to the table, I want to give you an opportunity if you didn't uh, pick up your, your cup in the back. Please feel free to do that. Um, We'll take just a moment to let you go do that.
I'll be honest. When I when I think about um, seeing the invisible, my insecurity kicks in. I don't know if that's true of you. My insecurity of well, I feel invisible. And so what would I have to give to someone else when I feel this way about me? Do y'all feel that way? But when we come to the table, we can't think that way. We can't think that way. Because what the table says to us is, Jesus sees you. You are seen by the creator of the universe. You are seen to the point where he would sacrifice his life for you. You are seen and loved by God. And that gives you a mission. On that night that our Lord would be betrayed and he was with his friends, Around the table, he lifted up the bread and broke it. And he said, this represents my body, which will be broken for you. Take it and eat. Thankful. And a little later, he lifted up the cup and and he said, this represents my blood, which will be shed for you for the forgiveness of sin take it and drink all of it be thankful Lord Jesus even in these moments may we truly be seen by you, will you search our hearts and our minds? Will you cleanse our hearts? Will you change our minds? Help us to remember that we are indeed seen and loved by you every step that we take. And Lord, in that knowledge, in that great, amazing knowledge that we are seen and loved by you, will it change the way that we see others? Change our hearts and move our feet, Jesus. We want to walk in step with you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? It's been good to see you, and uh, for those of you visiting with us, we sing our benediction, so you're welcome to join in, and uh, uh, or you're welcome to just receive this benediction. Would you sing with me? We sing hallelujah, let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes, let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. Go in peace to live that last line.
Let your will be done in us. We'll see you next Sunday.